future. Talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Hi, and welcome to Live, Love, Thrive Women's Empowerment Hour. So happy to have you join us today. You know, every week I am so honored to interview such inspiring people. I want to mention that next week I have on renowned scholar uh, Gail Dines, who has studied the uh, pornographic culture for more than 30 years and is going to talk about how it impacts our kids. And also uh, we're going to have uh, Robert Rabin, who is a uh, renowned author, uh, author and speaker, who actually uh, empowers women uh, how to publicly speak, uh, which I sound like I could use right now. (laughs) And um, he uh, has survived stage four cancer. We're going to talk to him. He's incredible. And he'll be on next week. So um, subscribe to our YouTube so you don't miss an episode. Today's show, we're going to have co-founder of Monk Provisions, uh, which is Melanie McGraw. So happy to have her here today. We're going to talk about the cannabis industry and where that's headed. And then later in the show, we're going to be talking with Allison Roberts who is an accomplished actress and coach, and she'll be sharing with us her very moving story of how she adopted her gay son. So with no further ado, please give a warm welcome to Melanie McGraw. Thanks, Catherine. Hi, how are you? I'm great. It's how great you doing? to be here. It's fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is fun. UBN, we love it here. Tony Sweet, he's a doll. Absolutely. Um, so uh, tell me, um, gosh, you've had such an interesting journey. Uh, so we're going to talk about how you got from being a, in a Mormon culture <laughs> to now being a big champion in the cannabis culture. Okay, so yes. that that's got to be a good story, right there. <laughs> it, it's yeah, interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our our listeners now are with bated breath. Um, so y- you did uh, grow up in a in a Mormon culture. I did, but oddly yes. enough, not in Utah. Nope. In, nope. In on the Maryland, East Coast in Maryland. Right? Yes. Yeah, Hyattsville, Maryland. Yeah, you were so. like one of three Mormons there, right? In my, in my high school. Yeah. Right. So we had about three thousand kids in my high school, and I was one. One of three Mormons. Yeah. So, so yes, uh, it was a, sm- a small fish in a big pond. Yeah. <laughs> so right there out of the box, that had to have been a little challenging to be, uh, you know, in a, in a religion that wasn't as popular or well-known or understood by your peers. I would think right there, that's a challenge. And then we'll get to the other challenges. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you grow up Mormon, you, you definitely have a sense of feeling like you belong in that world. And yet you're part of a much larger world that may not understand what that religion is about and what the practice is. They may have preconceived notions and things like that. So you definitely feel like an odd odd person out, for sure. Right. Just like we're feeling like with the, uh, I think, the Muslim population right now. You know, if if people don't understand it and it's not in their realm or Mm -hmm. their life, um, they kind of fear it or or think it's strange or... Whatever yeah, judgment, the case. judgment, judgment at the ba- at best, yeah. and then fear at worst. Yeah, uh, so yeah, absolutely. And and your dad was in the navy, so you traveled mm-hmm. a lot. Yep. Yeah, so, I moved fourteen times by the time I was in third grade. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, wow. So yeah, so he was he was active active duty navy. Yeah. Uh, and then in third grade, we landed in Maryland, and then that's sort of where I stopped my travels for a few years until I ended up going to college. Right. Now your college did bring you to more. 
common world. That brought me to Utah. Which was Utah. Yes. BYU. BYU, yes. which we all know is a very Mormon culture <laughs> university. Yes. And so what was that experience like? Because around... Was it around that time you realized you were gay? Or? No, it was no. it was actually at BYU that I at realized BYU, I was gay. Of course, gay. what a wonderful environment yes. to figure that out. <laughs> and when I first arrived at BYU, I was still an incredibly sheltered, stalwart Mormon girl. Yeah. Uh, and I was an English major, and I think that on on a lot of levels, I was I, I had a, a latent independence and yeah. and. Um, explorative mind. Now, is and that because the Mormon culture kind of cultivated that? Is it, I mean, I, I know I it's a very, kind of a male, I, I mean, this is my perception, yeah. <laughs> is that it's kind of a male-dominated. Um, it's I very mean, patriarchal, patriarchal, and it's very conservative yeah. in that sense, and right. women have their roles, and men have their roles, and yet, women also have, there's a lot of respect for women, but, mm-hmm. you know, of course, there's always the nuance of patriarchy, right. so, yeah. um, but I think that, that you know, being at BYU, I think that what really what really brought me out of my shell was the rub. You know, it mm-hmm. was the rub of watching all of these wonderful people. A lot of, you know, I ended up meeting a lot of people outside of the church, and I was continuously struck by these great people who were not Mormon, and yet I really, their ideas resonated with me. Right. And then I would have Mormons that I felt like their minds were a little shut down right. and fearful and intolerant. And so, uh, you know, my family had always taught me loving each other, love your neighbor, right. and, and really that service mentality. And so what I was seeing in the culture when I was surrounded by all Mormons, right. I could see that, oh, Mormons, you know, they, they're not... They're not the only ones that hold the guardians to the kingdom and when it comes right. to kindness like think, and love you know. and service. And yes. many, there are many, let's say there's many religion, religions that think they hold the keys to the kingdom, Absolutely. not just the Mormons. Absolutely. So, uh, but uh, I never have understood that mentality. Being a spiritual person myself, um, I just think... Uh, we should love everybody. No judgment. Absolutely, we're all equal. That's right. We're all good souls, yeah. and you know, I, I have never understood that uh, we are the most important um, entity uh, type of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I do see that um, in Mormon culture and other religions. Exactly, yeah. and I think that that was that was the most profound realization when I was at BYU is to start to understand who I was outside. Mm-hmm. Of Mormonism because right. I could see this this huge mirror reflected back to me of yeah. just pure Mormonism in all its shades, right? Right. In the super the judgmental the and the yeah. and the super wonderful, and then and there were so many yeah. uh, Mormons I met that were also a lot more uh, uh, liberal than my family. Frankly, right. I come from a very conservative family, so right. in addition, and a big to, family, right? Huge, ten children. Wow, I'm, I'm the second oldest. Yeah. I'm the oldest girl of ten children. Yeah, and so. I started to be able to pull apart sort of what um, politics from mm-hmm. religion in a way that I had never, because they'd always just been together right. in my world. And so I was like, oh, so there's actually liberal Mormons and there's yeah. conservative Mormons and yeah. there's Mormons that have their own ideas about things and are still practicing Mormons. And, you know, and, and you could just see all the different shades. And that's what I think it finally gave me the, the, the courage to explore who right. I was as right. an individual. And in the end, it didn't work for me to to remain in the religion just because mm-hmm. it was, it, you know, I, I didn't like the reflection back to me. would that have been whether you were gay or not? You know, what's interesting is that I was married to a man at the time uh-huh. uh, that I that I stopped practicing Mormonism. And it was a very, uh, uh, it, was a, it was an overt 
realization and decision that I made, mm-hmm. uh, and that was before I knew I was gay. Oh. So about oh, so you about found two years out later, it wasn't for you. That's exactly right. Despite being gay, that's right. I see. Okay, it that's wasn't good op- to know. it wasn't open. I didn't feel like I could be uh, open enough, and um, uh, with without without a lot of questions coming right. at me, and it just felt like there was more. Right. I needed more room in my life. Now, isn't it true in the Mormon religion that you can't divorce? And you can't be gay, and you're you're kind of thrown out of it for if you do either, right? Well, so so you you can divorce, and, here's a, and it, here's it's, a lesson in Mormonism. Yeah, so you yeah. can divorce. I mean, now there's a there's a, a temple marriage, and there and there's a, a civil marriage, and you know this could they, be the whole show. They you know. <laughs> and they believe that they're they're married get for to the time and eternity. <laughs> but you know, I think that yeah. for me it was just yeah. So that was fine. Uh, the divorce was fine. I think being gay was harder. Uh, yeah, and that took quite a long time to kind of just. Um, and, and even outside of the religion, but mostly just with my family. Now, once you uh, come to find out you were gay, you stayed at BYU? I was at, uh, actually, no, because I, mm. I, um, I graduated from BYU. I was still married. And then I, I believe it was about a year after mm-hmm. I graduated. Then before we move on, so your parents have come to terms with your being gay? Uh-huh. Yeah. They're, they're very, I mean, they are, they're truly kind-hearted loving people yeah and it took a long time for them to reconcile their beliefs and the and what they were being taught with what they were seeing in their family right um and trying Isn't to figure it true that out when people have someone gay in their family it is more of a likelihood that they will come to let go of their judgments and love them not always not yeah. always unfortunately not always but when you know somebody whether mm-hmm. it's a child or a friend or someone when you actually have them in your sphere I think people tend to be more understanding I think that yeah. you have a choice to yes. be uh, more understanding or less understanding tr- that's true and I and I think that uh, you know unfortunately I have seen families where they choose to go right the, the, the other way and but yes. I, it forces the issue regardless right. because you do have this child that right. you love and so the choice becomes will you choose your own fear and comfort over the love that you have for your child, knowing that, yes. you know, if you choose your fear and comfort, then your child will be hurting potentially. So, right. you know, it, it's how do you weigh all those things? How do you reconcile things that are that yeah. are inherently contradictory? Yes. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, my next guest on my show actually adopted a, a gay son, and we're going to talk about that. So I'm really glad that we brought this up. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's so true about the acceptance and how it impacts that child and how important mm-hmm. that is. And I think any loving human being uh, has got to break through their own uh, fear or judgments about that. Absolutely. That, like I said, that that's this is definitely a whole nother Oprah. <laughs> so somehow you ended up on the cannabis road uh, by way of USC Film School, uh-huh, uh-huh. where you got your MFA. I and did. I know you did an Academy Award-winning um, student film, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. was about Mormonism. Right? Well, yes, it was about a, a, yeah. a twelve-year-old Mormon girl who they she's with her family on a road trip through the desert. Called Pit Stop. Pit Stop. Mm -hmm. They uh, stop off at a gas station and she gets left behind. So it's all about exploring uh, feeling invisible Mm -hmm. in a large family. Mm -hmm. uh, This is a metaphor. Finding a voice. That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So, and and all the films that that I've made or are seeking to make are are often, they often harken back to that um, that personal story of, 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 a girl or a woman uh, in an environment where uh, 
it, it's dangerous on some level, whether emotionally dangerous or physically dangerous, mm -hmm. to be who she is. Wow. Um, and I, I think that that's something that's very interesting, uh, and I just constantly want to explore. It, it's so great that you have uh, found your authenticity, because so many people uh, go through life never being their honest selves, mm -hmm. and it's such a burden to carry. I don't think there's any way someone could find really true joy and happiness unless they're being true to themselves. That's, that is so true. Yeah. And it's so interesting. You see children who you can tell that they they grow up in a world where they are absolutely okay who they are. And then you see other kids who the, all the messages they get are, you are absolutely not okay for who you are, just inherently who you are. And it has a profound impact on their ability to just move through life, through yes. their relationships, through their work, uh, you know, through, uh, through the, you know, finding their own creativity. Yeah. Um, and then, and just the way that they feel about themselves as right. they get up every day. So once you uh, kind of owned it and, mm -hmm. and got out of that culture that you weren't feeling accepted or comfortable in, then you really flew. <laughs> Right? <laughs> yes. Right? Exactly. It really and, is. It's true. It's like yeah. all of a sudden, I mean, I, I, it's like I, I my legs were cut off because yeah. everything that I knew as a, a as family, friends, identity, uh, yeah. socializing, all of it, because the Mormon church is so intensely uh, yeah. participatory, right. um, that was gone. And, right. and so I had to recreate reinvent myself yourself. and reinvent myself. Speaking of that, what does your shirt say? Oh, it says, uh, I will make better mistakes tomorrow. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I will make better mistakes tomorrow. I love that. Yes. Yep, we will. Yes, we will, <laughs> to be sure, <laughs> to be sure. And uh, it's great. Mistakes are great because we learn from That's them. That's right. That's exactly you know, right. If we didn't have them, then where would mm -hmm. we be? That would be kind of so we have to embrace them, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so speaking of that, uh, so your USC uh, film school and all your um, making these fabulous films, I know Pit Stop and mm -hmm. then also Numb for Jesus. Numb for Jesus is something I've been working on for yeah. a number of years. And I, I uh, that's a feature length script that's it, it's based off of or it was inspired by Pit Stop, but it's diving way more into uh, into the Mormon family and the Mormon world and um and can it's, we see oh, that yet or is not that, yet that, okay, so it's, okay, that's it's still in, it's, yeah it's still i've still been uh, working on the script and and frankly i just need to i just need to make that happen and i think that i've been very precious about it uh and and starting monk has been a great um reminder to not be precious because it, you know i love collaboration and i love that about film i love that about business yes uh, i love being creative and I also like the balance of it all. I like the project mm -hmm. and I like limitations. And I think mm -hmm. that that's, you know, to, to be able to make a film, uh, when you're writing a film and you start to get really precious and critical of like, oh, and then what's my mom going to think when she reads? Oh, yeah, my yeah. gosh, she's, like, yeah. she's going to hate me forever. Yeah. It's like, just like, why did you put the you family up on the screen? That, right? That's right, that's right. <laughs> and, then, and I think it's a great reminder to have put that away for a little bit. To bring it back at some point and just yeah. say, let's just do this. It yeah. doesn't need to be perfect. Yeah. I'm going to make mistakes. Every filmmaker now, That's right. this is resonating That's right. with them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so just so do true. it. Just make it. Just do and then it. The, and the great thing is that then you then you just surround yourself. You end up pulling in people uh, people into your life who can help you make it even better. And I think that that's, you know, I, I'm surrounded at work with people who are better at certain things than I am. And that's such a wonderful privilege. I just had this yeah. conversation with somebody about, you know, my site, 360karma.com. It really is about uh, providing uh, all the different experts and tools for uh, because we don't we don't have all the gifts ourselves. That's right. That's exactly. And, so I, and that's know, okay. In re, and that's perfectly <laughs> that's, okay. That's exactly as it and, should and be. And it's so important to find the people that do because that's mm -hmm. what helps us to accomplish what we need to accomplish. Mm -hmm. um, 
But we don't have to know it all. That's right. We just have to align with people who do. That's right. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, that, and be able to, to, yeah. to open up the space so that everybody can work at their best, you know? Yes. Um, and I think yeah. that that's... that's that's what I learned from directing was, you know, my job is to actually show up on the set and create a space that's safe enough yeah. and that's focused enough with great communication yes. so that people can come together and do their best work. Yeah. You know, and, and enjoy and, it. Exactly. And yeah. work toward a common goal. Yeah. Uh, and limitations, that's great. Restrictions, great. Um, you know, that's that's all part of it, the process and it makes it makes for great creativity. So I'm sure by this time everybody's going, Mormon girl. <laughs> Yay, girl. <laughs> Filmmaker. Uh-huh. And she end up in the cannabis industry. How? Cannabis. Yes, it just doesn't <laughs> so this, make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so you were actually making films for the cannabis industry, I did, right? Yes. Yeah. You kind of fell into it. You you, you weren't a pot smoker. You no. told me you maybe you no, talked I mean, it once or twice, but yes. it wasn't like this was a big No, you know, I was it was so foreign to me. And frankly, if you told my eighteen year old self that I was gonna be in the cannabis industry, my my question would have been, What is cannabis? <laughs> I have right. no idea right. what you're talking about. Right. There might um, still be some people that's saying right. that. <laughs> totally. And then you would have told me and yeah. I would have been like, Ooh, that's Mo- bad. most people say marijuana. That's right. That's right. Just to understand it. Exactly. But um there's so many different ingredients, too, to mm-hmm. uh, the cannabis industry, right? You were telling me there's uh, cannabinoids, and then there's the things that uh, yeah, well, actually the make pl- you high. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's the plant. You, I'm sure and, you had yes. to learn all this, right? Exactly. And yeah. that's been a process. And, I, and when I first started, I mean, I was just looking, because as a writer-director, I was looking for something to grease the skid, so to speak, yeah. so that I would be able to continue an illustrious and long career um, and, and be able to, to uh, support it financially. And so I decided to go back to my consulting work. I used to be an, an instructional designer and training consultant for, and I worked for Einstein Brothers Bagels and, and Old Navy and and all that and that was before Disney film school. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I had a I had a big corporate uh, career before film school and then gave it all away because I just I wanted to go back to writing and and what fed and your soul that. exactly. Yeah. And so I put it I put it away for keeps until after film school I realized like you know what maybe I should just brush this off a little bit just to just to be able to work 20 hours a week and and support myself and be right. able to make the films that I want to make. And I was talking to a friend and she. Uh, knew somebody that was working at a, a dispensary and they were talking about needing the skill set that I that I offered as a consultant. And so I, I ended up meeting with Steve D'Angelo, who's one of the great uh, advocates and activists in the industry. Uh, and that turned out to be Harborside Health Center, which turned out to be the largest grossing dispensary in the world. Right. So, so I for ended people up that don't know what that is, yes. so the dispensary is where people go and get the to marijuana products yes. for medical purposes uh-huh. right That's now. That's exactly right. Yes. And, and this was the largest one in the country. In the country. Harbor Health. And so yeah. you got that experience of consulting with them. Yes. And that's where you learn the business. That's correct. That's right. correct. And so I knew restaurants. I knew retail. I knew operations. I knew human resources. I knew all of that. And, and they probably needed you to take all of that uh, type of knowledge to them. Exactly. Right? Well, and that was part of it is yeah. essentially they were operating as a very large mom and pop. Yeah. Uh, and if you can imagine 70 employees operating as a mom and pop, right. you know, it's it, 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 it's, it's a little pop. complicated. Yeah. It was about to pop and they were growing. They wanted yeah. to grow. And so they brought me in to really start documenting and systematizing and bringing um, process and, and training yeah. to, to their staff. So that's how that started and ended up doing a number of films uh, for them and promotional films. And through that, it was really through the 
the film work that I started to develop a love for the industry because I realized how many people had uh, either lost people or who had, who had people close to them who had suffered. Mm. Um, and I was able through documentary interviews of just you know putting together these promotional films for the dispensary. So you to, it to, started to resonate with you about how it helped people with their health. Exactly. I mean that's what fascinates that's me exactly about it. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So so it started out as as this kind of odd. Uh, fit job that I just happened to have a skill set and I was going to apply it into this industry that I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it ended up being something where I was like, I can actually can make a contribution mm-hmm. to something that matters. And, and you know, and it, it is you when you I had a, a their director of training who was a, a sheriff in, in uh, Oakland and he had tears in his eyes as he was talking about his neighbor who was uh, suffered from cancer. And in the last six months of her life, she found cannabis and it's it brought her back to life wow. so that she could be there with her family. So even though, you know, she died and, you know, it was far too far gone to to um, heal, but she was happier. And and that's really meaningful. You know, Absolutely. people's quality of life is as important as as their health and their I never, psychology. Um, and I never really understood. It. I think a lot of people go, oh, sure, they have a health issue. They just want to go get high. Right. You know, don't you think yeah. there's people that think oh, that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And maybe there's are a few of those. Yeah, sure. But um, I know firsthand, I've seen it happen uh, for my friend uh, Leanne that has MS. She uses the cannabis and it uh, takes away the pain. And uh, so to witness it firsthand and understand how it helps people medically gives a whole different perspective to why this is important and I think what you were telling me and this is what's so fascinating is that they're starting to regulate this Mm -hmm. industry more so here you kind of have this free-for-all like anybody could open up in a corner and just wait to be closed down but what your effort is and what you're trying to do is to make them uh, more sophisticated places Mm -hmm. not places with bars on windows and make it uh, more of a professional communal environment uh, where people can actually go and get health benefits from this and I think it's wonderful that you're on that crusade to take it to a whole new level Mm -hmm. and then create products like Monk, Mm -hmm. which are the botanical drinks. Yes, the drinking botanicals. Yes. Let's talk Uh about that because uh, I know we're going to wrap up here in a couple minutes and I don't want to forget to uh, talk about the actual product, Monk, which is really cool. I've tasted it. It's very relaxing and Uh takes away your stress. I'd like to know more about that and where you're headed with these type of products. Absolutely. So when we, you know, when we uh, were looking at um, coming into the space on a more, not in a consulting perspective, but when Aaron Aaron Burke and I, who's my my, uh, wonderful uh, co-founder and partner in all of this, and we've been working together for a number of years, first in consulting and then now with Monk for the last two years. But when we came together, we wanted to do something that was, that had a tremendous integrity that was that was steeped in our personal values because mm-hmm. we had seen so many people in the industry. I mean, there are plenty of people in the industry that are wonderful and they are fighting the good fight. And then there are others that are really going for the green rush that are just trying to make as much money as they can right. at the expense of patients oftentimes. Right. And that's, and that's what we were seeing. And we wanted to, we wanted to to be a, a better force in the industry, uh, yeah, and we want yes, exactly, and we wanted a, a lower dose product that was super consistently dosed and super clean. You know, you see gummy bears, rice krispie treats, brownies, you know, right. just these sugary drinks, and it it 
we wanted to provide a healthier product right. that was a, a fast onset so you could manage your cannabis experience. So you didn't have to wait 60, sec, 60 right. minutes to realize like, oh wait, that was actually too much. Oh, <laughs> right, right. So, and that's what you see, you can hear the horror stories of people with right. Because with it wasn't regulated. And, well, yeah. it wasn't regulated and, and, and also it's just been, you know, people, I think the the idea of responsible dosing, responsible is a very subjective word. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for me, what it means is it, it provides patients the opportunities and consumers the opportunity to actually manage their experience. And mm-hmm. if they if the choice is not there for them, then that's not a good thing. You right. Know? I mean, and as a mom, I'm, I have a nine month old, and as a mom and as a business owner and a, and as somebody who's who wants to be in the driver's seat of her life, mm-hmm. that's important. And I don't want that ta- that you know choice taken away from me by uh, consuming an edible because it's supposed to uh, help me with anxiety or help me with other ailments or whatever it is, and then I find that it was way too much. Right. And and I'm. I'm I'm not able to actually do the things that I want to do. And so it, that's right. a really important piece of it. I think it's good that the laws are being passed so that there will be more regulation and things Absolutely. like that. But yes. one thing I want to say about your uh, botanical drinks, which is monkprovisions.com, uh-huh. monkprovisions.com. Uh, is that people can order it. Uh, they can, If they don't have a medical card, they can actually get the medical card on your website yeah. and order your products. And what I like about your products, these botanical drinks, is that, uh, like you said, they're not full of sugar. Mm-hmm. They're full of good health. That's right. They're made with fresh pressed juices, Mm -hmm. uh, organic botanicals. For example, one is uh, rosemary orange peel. So we have rosemary and orange peel and lemon and orange, all fresh pressed juices. Mm -hmm. A little touch of honey. We only use Mm -hmm. um, natural things. And then honey, for example, is an adaptogen. Yes, a a grapefruit, cinnamon bark, uh, and and cayenne with some black pepper. Uh Um, And all of them, they they are all formulated so that they target effects. Mm -hmm. You know, we, for example, have a tumor. And it also has black pepper because turmeric, the absorption is increased in the body and the benefits, you get more of them when you add the black pepper. Without the black pepper, you don't. And so things like that that we've thought a lot about and then put them in this beautiful packaging and made drinks that taste like craft cocktails, except yeah. without the alcohol, frankly. Um, they're delicious. But but what goes behind them is, is also the exciting part because they really do target effects um, like anti-inflammation. Turmeric's very anti-inflammatory, um, you know, or, or, or relaxation and calm and, and done with five milligrams uh, of, of THC and CBD. Uh, so it's, it's a gentle experience. Yeah. You feel it in about five Five to ten minutes, and then it gently increases over the course of about thirty minutes, and and lasts for about three hours. So it's you know when people talk about like oh well getting high is bad and and not getting high is good and the, there's the CBD which is good because it doesn't get you high and THC gets you high, you know. So with with all of it, it, it's about whole plant medicine. You know, we, right. we, we look at whole foods and holistic. We, yeah, exactly. You don't. Yeah. You know, what we're not doing is we don't want to do what the pharmaceuticals do of just pinpoint one one compound and then synthetically uh, create it. You know, right. and then say here's your medicine. It is a, it is a plant. You know, and it yeah. has many. Uh, uh, wonderful properties and when it's when you have a full plant extract you are able to get the full spectrum of those benefits there's right. an entourage effect there well i love that you came out with this cutting edge product thank you i think yes. it's a beautiful thing <laughs> thank you i think people should try it out Absolutely. Uh, at um 
monkprovisions.com. And you were on Instagram and And people should also start uh, Googling about the new laws that are making this a better industry. um, Measure M in Los Angeles, Prop 64, which passed in November uh, in California. It's good to legalize these things because when they're being done under... under the bar, so to speak, uh, it, it, it's not going to produce good products. It doesn't or help safe patients. Products. That's it right. doesn't help patients. It's, so. it, when it's not in the light of day, yeah. when it's not regulated, and this is why Measure M is really important in Los Angeles, because it actually allows the city and the mayor to put regulations in place, have new operators apply for permits for whether it's manufacturing, dispensaries, mm-hmm. uh, cultivation, so that they can there's there can be accountability there. I love that. Yeah. Well, thanks for what you're Absolutely. doing. It's very it's cutting my edge. Pleasure. And who thought that? <laughs> gay Mormon girl would be on this path, but, you know, (laughs) the champion for the cannabis industry. But thank you for what you're doing. I think it's important to people's health and safety. So thanks. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. And we will be right back with Allison. Stay tuned. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. And we are back with Allison Robertson. Hi, Allison. How Hi, are Catherine. you? Thank you so much for having me oh, today. Oh, you bet. How you awesome. Bet. Um, gosh, uh, you have had such an interesting journey, and I can't wait to talk about it from A to Z. Um, first of all, uh, you grew up in New Jersey. I did. <laughs> How'd you get rid of that Jersey accent? <laughs> Yeah, lots of work. Uh, lots of work. <laughs> but if I get angry, you'll hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not going to fish you off. <laughs> but no, I actually like a New Jersey accent. I used to live in New York. I'm fascinated with the New York accent, the Jersey accent. In fact, I think I have a Southern New York accent. I think you do too. It just makes you feel at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did you like growing up there? Sure, I did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't have very many other experiences than being there yeah. until I moved yeah. out. So I yeah. was in New York for some time in North Carolina, but... I'm a Jersey girl at heart. Yeah. Yeah. And you came to L.A. for your acting career. I did. Yeah. I did. And you've had some very exciting gigs out here. I know you were recently on Criminal Minds. I was. It was really great. And a regular on... uh, you have regular appearances on Nickelodeon. Yes. I guess that's fun because I know you love kids. I do love kids, and it, yeah. I'm the hero to my kids because I'm on that show. So. Oh, I love that. What, what show is that on Nickelodeon? It's one you want to catch. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, Ricky, Dicky, and Dawn. It's about quadruplets. Oh, cute. Mm-hmm. Really okay. cute. Okay, yeah. Really cute. We have a cute picture. Yeah. Um, and what was it like being on Criminal Minds? Uh, it was just awesome. It got, was it? it? I yeah. was allowed to do everything. It's a brilliant show, huh? as an actor that I had trained for. Yeah. And it was a really creepy episode, and it was just exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. You're into that creepy, huh? I am. <laughs> well, not really. So that's, not why, in real it, life. that's why it's so different for yeah. me to play. Yeah. yeah, it's so fun. Yeah, exactly. To, yeah, to get to do something that's not in your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what would you, what would be your uh, dream uh, show to be on? Do you have something that you're like, oh my God, I would love to be on that show? Probably Scandal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I think right. they filmed that here at they, our studios. I think they do, too. We're at UBN. When I was walking in, I was like, yeah, oh, Sunset okay. Gower Studios. I'll just manifest just that. Go, just go walk out. <laughs> why don't you just go on the set today? Yeah, why don't I just not go? They, 
Yeah, well, that would be a scandal. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I think we should do it. I'll what say do you Catherine guys Gray sent me. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, anyway, so uh, on your way to La La Land, mm-hmm. you've had some interesting twists and turns. And one of the most interesting, I think, is um, I know you were shooting some commercials in mm-hmm. North Carolina. Yeah. And you kind of... Uh, connected with this little five six year old little actor guy that was on set doing yeah. commercials with you Corey. and I lo- I'll, I'll let you tell the story because okay. I love the story I know he um, came up to you and asked you to play hangman he did he did yeah. so uh, I was 24 and I was uh, working in North Carolina and I was cast in like you said a commercial with a six-year-old boy and this very cute little boy came up to me and he said do you want to play hangman and being 24 a little vapid and from New Jersey I said no <laughs> and then he said a few minutes later, sure you don't want to play? And I said, okay, one game. Yeah. And he laid out a 14-letter word. <laughs> and I thought, what the heck happened to Cat? But it was the word was paleontologist because Friends was popular at that time. Oh. So this little boy I'm and like, I... like, where would this five-year-old I, I know, kid know right? the word paleontologist? It was awesome. It was really... I, I wouldn't have even known that. <laughs> yeah. But there was something about him in that moment. And I thought to myself, huh, I'm going to know this little boy forever. Yeah. Or he's going to make a million dollars. Or I need therapy. I wasn't sure which one it was. Um, Maybe all three. (laughs) And the first one is what it was. He he was going to be in my life forever. Wow. um, So you you met him, and this thought went through your mind, even though you didn't want to play hangman with them. That this somehow this kid's going to be in your life forever. Absolutely. Wow. And one of the been a premonition. It was one of those things that really shook me to my core. And because you're thinking this is a crazy thought, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally crazy. I'd be thinking that. (laughs) Totally crazy. And it was the early 90s, and I remember I called my mom on like a big brick cell phone. Oh, yeah. I used to have one of those. From North Carolina to New Jersey. Yeah, now we're really dating ourselves. (laughs) And it was an expensive call, but I had to tell somebody. And it it was the truth. Um, Through turns of events, Mm -hmm. um, I wound up having custody of him uh, about five years later. And So you guys stayed in touch all mm -hmm. that time. Here's the thing. Yeah. His family needed me. He needed me, but most of all, I needed him. Right. Isn't that always the way yeah. it is? I tell you, every time we help someone else, it's really helping us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you don't, you, this is how I base my life was because of Corey. Because when things are presented to you, you don't know if you should take them or not take them because it didn't look like the straight path for me mm-hmm. with him. And it wasn't easy, but it was absolutely worth it. Wow. Everything about him. And he is the pillar. I am ha- an only child. So my, oh, your previous guest, 10 brothers and sisters, I was like, oh, what yeah. was dinner like? Like, yeah. I'm so interested in all that. Yeah. Um, so I formed my own modern family. Yeah. So and, you have two daughters. Yep. And Corey and was son. the pillar. Yeah. 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 And so, so the journey was, did you guys act on different things in that interim, like that brought you together? Or how did you stay in touch? Um, his family became close. His mother and father became close gotcha. with me. Gotcha. So you'd spend time with them. New York connections and LA connections and he wanted to keep doing what he was doing mm-hmm. and once he got a solid stable background he didn't need to act mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. but uh, did he come out to LA with you mm-hmm. oh so you came out mm-hmm. here together yeah ah. and he's still here and you were both acting at the time we were yeah we were and I know I loved your explanation about LA LA is the uh, the land of no parents yeah yeah, everybody. Nobody has any parents. Nobody here. has any parents here. Yeah. I know I don't. No. And, and if you do, and you yeah. are from here, I consider you a unicorn because it's yeah. such a rare. That thing. would be my partner. She's yeah. here, three <laughs> generations, and she has her parents. Yeah, amazing. But 
the majority of people do come here. They leave their families mm-hmm. to come to L.A. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's true. It is the land of no parents, no family. Which yeah. was why and we so make our own. And make our, our chosen yeah. family. Yeah. As you, as yeah. You chosen families are awesome. They're usually the best. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when he's about 15, 16, mm-hmm. uh, you literally well, took him in? It was yeah. sooner than that. He was yeah. about 10. Oh, okay. um, so he'd been with me for some time with my, with my family. And I, I just sensed that he was harboring something. Yeah. You know, I always had a sense that he wasn't going a traditional path. Uh-huh. And so I was pregnant with my second child. And I just said to him, okay, I'm locking you in the car. Something's going on. I'm thinking really dark, so yeah. either tell me the truth or bring me to the light. Right, and right. he said, well, you know how my sisters have gay uncles? I said, yeah. He said, well, I now have a gay brother. I said, I know. Yeah. And he said, I know. And I said, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And from that moment on, he just became who he really was. And then he was happy. Because I know you said he was kind of depressed. He had and, some time. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was, he was then, struggling, that, for sure. Well, as anybody was, does when they're struggling. not being their authentic self. Mm-hmm. That's what we were just talking about with Mel. Yeah. Yes. When you're not being your authentic self, how, how can you shine? How can you feel happy? And authenticity yeah. is... Yeah. As soon as you're authentic, everything unfolds for and you. And then it must have been wonderful him for him to have you and your husband say, hey, no big deal. We love you mm-hmm. and we're supportive of you and just be yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he awesome. very quickly was himself. Yeah. He, didn't, I, he didn't have a lot of trials and tribulations. But then again, that's probably his story, not mine. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah. He, and what is he doing today? He's a social media director. Oh, wonderful. So he went to Berkeley to learn how to tweet. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, anybody who has that skill today is set for life because that's where the, you know, the world is all based on social media today. Yeah. So if you have he's that pretty gift. brilliant at it. Yeah, yeah pretty brilliant. That's a good gift to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So uh, one of the discussions I loved having with you was about how you do your acting mm-hmm. and you're also a coach and you help people to you know, get rid of their roadblocks. In fact, you have a new book coming out. I do. What's the name of that? It's called Be Bigger. Be, be bigger. bigger yeah and I it, feel it's like about it's a it's a, a book that's sort of step by step tells you um how to get what you want by being your authentic self oh well how, there you go how's perfect is that for this conversation and i do believe that's why Corey came into my life mm-hmm. so that i could discover that about myself mm-hmm. and be able to share it with others because mm-hmm. i do believe we have gifts to discover yourself that you could uh get Had so much more to give right Right. So much more. And he brought that out in you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You've been, so you have been good for each other. Yeah. So um, you you do the acting. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we said, you're just on these uh, yeah. awesome shows. I feel and blessed when it happens. feel blessed, yeah. yep. Uh, and, and then you're also blessed, though, because you help other people realize their dreams. So yeah. with your coaching, I love what you said in that whoever said we had to be one thing. Correct. And if people would get over that, they could really flourish. I think people so, especially in L.A., struggle with Mm -hmm. being, I'm this and I'm that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's okay to be two things, especially two things that you love. And it's okay to be many things. Yes, more than one thing. You just have to know what focus, mindset, and accountability is. Right. And sometimes it takes a big team to do that. And I think the biggest thing is don't do something you don't love. You're not going to be good at it. You're not going to be happy. Uh, so you love coaching as much as you I love do. Uh, I acting. do. I feel they ba- they balance 
each other and right. they therefore balance me. And I, I gather you help a lot of people in the entertainment industry because we tend to help people who are, you know, in our like tribe that, yeah. you know, you, like you understand about going out on auditions or right. wanting to be a writer or whatever. So I know you shared with me a couple of cool stories of mm -hmm. people that are coaching clients that you've helped. And yeah. let's talk about that for a minute. Well, it goes along with what you were saying that if we do one thing and we're pursuing it, and then we have this other thing, but if we go over here, we lose this, and that's not true. Right. And I have a couple of clients that have and you're really, living proof of that. I am. You're yeah, over here helping you. people find thank you their, for saying that. You know, find yeah. their uh, destiny, mm -hmm. and then you're over here doing your uh, your own acting that makes your heart sing as exactly. well, and both feed you. I call it a gift and a passion. <laughs> I, I like serve that. both of them. Yeah. Um, I had a client who came to me as an actor and a waiter. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't sure what was going wrong in his world. And we worked and we worked. And he just had no passion. He just, everything was blah. Yeah. And then one day he came and he And said, I think a lot of people in L.A. relate to that story right yes. there. Because I've had a lot of waiter actors, you know, encountered that they're not happy they're doing what they're doing. They're just trying to keep their heads so above So that's water. why I love the story. And he came to me. He was very regular. And then one day came to me off, an off day. And he said, what's going on? He said, um... I've just been diagnosed with cancer. I will survive, but it's something. And I said, it's a game changer. Mm -hmm. Look at it that way. Yes. This is a game changer. Yes. Sometimes, uh, unfortunately, we need those wake-up calls. Yes. And say, what are we doing with our life? He absolutely answered it. Wow. He got himself healthy. About eight weeks later, he came to me, and I said, what do you want to do? My standard question is, what do you want? Yeah. And he said, I think I want to be a writer. I was like, oh. Okay, yeah. great. How are we going to do that? He said, well, I signed up for a class at UCLA, and he took it. And the teacher said, write what you know. And he said, okay. So he wrote about drag queens and pot. Okay. And within 20... Perfect for the cannabis story. <laughs> and he submitted it to BuzzFeed, and BuzzFeed blasted it all over. And within a week, he had a job offer as a writer on Logo. Oh, my gosh. It, Having his dream job. Talk about... And he's on track to just... Do everything that he wants. Mm -hmm. You know what's and so he's interesting. He's no longer a waiter. By yeah, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and what's so interesting about that story too is mm -hmm. he thought he wanted to be an actor, mm -hmm. and he was doing the waiting because he thought he had to creative, uh, yeah. you know, make money. Um, but the funny thing was he wasn't even in touch with it. it. Wasn't that he wanted to be an actor? It was that he wanted to be a writer. And I think so many times people are pursuing things that they think that they want. Because they make a decision but when they're, they're not 17 really listening. or 18. Yeah, Correct. they're not listening to their insides about what they really want to be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, even Corey's a good example. You know, he thought he wanted to be acting, mm -hmm. and then you gave him permission that, hey, you can be doing something else. And now he loves and flies with the social media. So um, Amazingly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I always say that if you – I'm there. My coaching is not to change what you – how you do things. It's to give you a different option and to fill in the gaps where you – where things aren't meeting. Yeah, right? I think coaches are great for most people uh, because it gives you uh, a person to bounce things off of. Accountability. Uh, help give you more perspective. And then I was going to say that. That's the key thing is mm -hmm. accountability. Because <laughs> people's friends, uh, they will enable them rather than make them accountable. And so that's the best part about people having a coach, I think. That perspective that's fresh and clean away from somebody you know and also um, that accountability is key. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things about people in our lives who love us, they see us in such a light that we may not be. Right. Right? Right. I always say if your mother, your sister, your husband, your wife is giving you yeah. 
advice, they see you in a different way. Right. I like to think that someone like myself or any other coach sees you in the possible you. Right. The right. authentic you. So uh, when people want to uh, work with you in that capacity, mm-hmm. it's AllisonRobertson.com, right? Yeah. Or, yes. Allison Robertson Associates. Associates. Yeah. Thank com. you. Yeah. And yeah. I know we have it up on the screen. Awesome. Um, and it's Allison with one L. It is because yeah. that would be Allison if it was two. Sorry. <laughs> we're all in. Um, and um, you, you were going to share with me another story. I know the girl that spoke at SAG. Oh, yeah. She's and, you, and you're a speaker, too. I am. You speak at SAG. I, am, I and, do. And, and AFI. Uh, yeah. And Universal. Yeah. yeah. I love. And, uh, and I do want to hear her story, and then we'll talk about mm-hmm. your speaking. But um, uh, what was that story about oh, her? She stood up. She's and, amazing. This, yeah. this young, beautiful girl stood up in the middle of a... Uh, a talk I was giving and she said uh, I want your advice as to whether I should lose 10 pounds or should I gain 5 pounds she wanted to be an actress actress she's yeah. an actress sorry and uh, I, I said uh, I said to everybody in the room nobody breathe don't say anything I said what is it that you really want and she said well I'm an expert on ADHD and I would like a YouTube channel and I was like okay I said you just want to be bigger it's not about your weight, and she was... And that's the name of your book, Be yeah. Bigger. Yeah. And it actually came from her. Yeah. Because in that moment, I was like, that's what everybody needs the encouragement to do, is be a little bigger, not shrink or gain or... But just or be like everybody else, oh, i got to lose five pounds to look like so-and-so. Yeah. And So she came to me, and we started working together, and now she's over 25,000 followers and YouTube is helping her and she's becoming an expert in this country helping other kids understand that what they have is not a disability it's a superpower so she had this herself Mm -hmm. so she had the ADHD she wanted to do a YouTube channel about that Mm -hmm. now she does it and Mm -hmm. she has like 25,000 she's amazing followers wow that's great and helps other children again being your authentic self what a gift yeah yeah I like to witness that. So stuff. by being on her own um, YouTube channel, she's kind of doing the acting, mm-hmm. but doing it with a purpose. You, you know, that's what people got to understand is sometimes it comes in different shapes and forms. You know, if you it's know not in the way that we, you know, just have this uh, idea that it has to be done this certain way. Yeah. That there may be an, another way to use those skills, right? Yes. If we know yeah. the why. Yeah. Why we're doing something, the how becomes really simple. Right. Really simple. Yeah. yeah. Um, because anybody could start their YouTube channel. But, yeah. Um, yeah, she wasn't in touch with that. It's interesting that she had that epiphany yeah. while working with and you. And she's so authentic. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love I love her story, too. Yeah. Well, anybody who's being authentic is going to be uh, soaring at whatever they do. Mm-hmm. because And it happens quick. Yeah. 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 A lot of times our own personal stories of who we think we are yeah. or how people perceive us keep us stuck. Right. And we keep telling the same story over and over again when we're like, mm-mm. Yeah. I always thought I wasn't change a, the story. a mother type. I didn't think I would have, I knew I wanted family. Yeah. But I didn't know I would have children. Yeah. And, and now you're a great mom. But here's what it. Three kids. But once I said, no, that's not my story. Yeah. Yeah. My story is I know how to help people. Yeah. I, yeah, I always say life is a choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's wonderful because we've got this big blank uh, you know, canvas that we get to mm-hmm. paint whatever we want mm-hmm. instead of thinking that life happens to us. No, no, life we happens create for it. us. Life ha- yeah. happens for us. Right? right. I love that. And we get to do things, not we have to. Right. So you do me. speaking. I do. Okay. I do. And you do that to actors at SAG and uh, 
actors, yeah. creatives, or entrepreneurs. Ah. Yeah. And I'm, what type of things do you talk about? Like about uh, finding your passion or... One, you know, finding your, your gift versus your passion, because they're two right. separate things. Yes. And what's a skill set? Yeah. Um, How would you describe that? What's a gift and what's a passion? I'll give you my example. Okay. I... My gift is that I know how to help people. Mm -hmm. My passion is I'll act. Mm -hmm. And I'll act anywhere. I'll act in the basement of a Don't church. Don't act up here today. Or, <laughs> or I'll act um, in a paid job. Right. And Which my, is why we're headed over to the, the scandal. That's right. We're going over there and knock <laughs> on the door as my authentic self. But she that's will the, act anywhere. That's the difference. And a skill set is yeah. something that you might be good at. I'm, yeah. I'm good with design or I'm a good singer. But it's not right. something I would base my whole life on right but my gift and my passion I yeah. love that yeah yeah I, like that. I didn't think about it being two separate things but mm -hmm. they are yeah. and sometimes they're tied together sometimes they are but yeah. people hold them too preciously and I'm saying just give them some breath right give it some breath yeah well I love what you're doing I love that you're helping other people in the entertainment industry mm -hmm. and I love that you're doing what you love what you're passionate about I look forward to seeing you on more shows thank you and uh, I think it's great that you're a mom and that you adopted a child that wasn't yours and gave them a great family and acceptance mm -hmm. and love. And what a beautiful light in the world you are. Thank you. So thank yeah. you. Thank Thanks, you for Catherine. all you're doing. I'm so happy to have you on, Allison. Thank you. And uh, keep, keep living your passion and giving your gifts. And you too. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and we will be back next week. Uh, be sure to tune in and uh, be sure to follow us on YouTube uh, as well as on Facebook and other social media. We're so happy to have you tune in and grateful to be interviewing these wonderful ladies. Uh, just make it an amazing day. Hugs and happiness. <laughs>